0: Welcome to another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammons, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We are so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. There are a lot of things going on in the world, there always have been, but at certain times and certain seasons it seems as though that, that you know, uh, tragedies, trauma, trials, tribulation, troubles, problems mount up. And it seems as though that we can get to the place in life to where it's almost unbearable imagine, uh, we, we imagine. God says He will not allow more to come upon us than what we will also be given strength to endure. But endurance is not something we want to look forward to as much as we would like to look forward to some days of peace and joy. Just some days of, 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 of hope and help. Uh, these are difficult days. Like, like perhaps no other, we are in a unique time. The days we live in are serious, they're sad, and they are also in some ways exciting. Not, not a joyful excitement but rather an anxious excitement excited because we know that that in the moments we face we are not facing them alone that god is with us he will never leave us he will never fail us he will never forsake us we are seeing prophecy unfold we know that god knows the end from the beginning and we know that he has told us in his word the, about things that will come to pass even in the last days we know that as jesus walked the face of the earth in the very last days in the very last few days of His his life. How many prophecies unfolded. What a terrible and tragic time it was for so many who were believing that this good God had sent them a Messiah and was going to set up his kingdom on earth. And yet they were disappointed. They found themselves later locked in an upper room, afraid that what had happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. What happened to his body was going to happen to their body. That they too would be crucified, that they too would be persecuted, they too would be forsaken. But on the days following that, we see a resurrected Christ. We see that God does not leave us in a tomb, in a bad place. We know that when the world gets bad and things get bad, God gets good. We understand from every account in the Word of God that it is not over until God says it's over. And God does not say it's over until He sees a victory. God has a plan. He will succeed, and we do have a chance to participate, even in our day. Today, it's a difficult time. I don't want to minimize it. I am, I am not, uh, just like you, I am, I am almost in disbelief as to what is going on. And yet, many other places around the world, difficult times are also ongoing. Places like North Korea, places like Thailand, things that, uh, that are happening in China, Uh, where people are being persecuted. You know, today and every day, every day since the founding of our nation, every day since 1775, actually, there have been approximately, well, an average, of 15 martyrs for Christ every day since 1775, 15 martyrs for Christ. Isn't that amazing? Every day. It amazes me what is going on around the world and yet how God is continuing to get the light out into darkness. How he's continuing to advance the kingdom even in times as this. Please do not believe the propaganda. Refuse to believe what the world has to say about the church. Refuse to believe what the world has to say about God. Refuse to believe what the world has to say about a Christian. Refuse to believe what the world has to say about you. Let me tell you the truth about the church. The church is bigger and better it's going farther and faster it's stronger more powerful and more productive than it ever has been in the history of the church for the last two thousand years you know we started with 120 people in an upper room who were filled with the power of the holy spirit you can read about it in acts chapter two and from there those 12 proverbial boys okay you know uh the disciples uh plus the apostle paul those 11 disciples that were left, plus the Apostle Paul, in just 40 years they took the gospel of Jesus Christ. In one generation, they took it to Rome and Corinth, to Philippi, to Thyatira, to Pergamus, to Laodicea. They took the gospel of Jesus Christ to their whole known world in only 40 years, and not one of them even owned a bicycle. Let me tell you, God is busy advancing His kingdom we are outgrowing and outpacing the enemies of christ we are more than conquerors through him who loved us this is not a pep rally by the way this is not me blowing smoke at you these are absolute facts today we will see approaching seventy thousand people worldwide in the next 24 hours will give their life to christ and there's no better day to see that happen than on a sunday than on a day that has been dedicated to the Lord this is not the weekend this is not the end of the week this is the week beginning we dedicate our first day of the week because we dedicate our week we come to God not not uh, just thanking him for all he has done but getting ready for all he wants to do we come imploring him beseeching him for an energy which only comes from the Holy Spirit for a hope that only comes from his word for a passion and a power that we need so that we can go back out into our world this week that we can go not only to our homes and our neighbors not only to our jobs and our schools but also uh, as we can reach out around the world in various ways whether it's on social media or in some other manner and share the love of Christ and care about others who are in harm's way you know the days we live in are serious and they are sad but they're also exciting because we do have a chance to participate and in light of the world events And in light of the Holy Scriptures, it is evident that we need some eternal advice. And so this morning, that's what the title of my message is, Eternal Advice. What in the world does that mean? Well, let's go together to Matthew chapter 20 and let's talk about this. You know, uh, uh, it's evident that we need some advice from God for today. You know, just doing what we think is right and doing what we think is best is probably what got us here. You know, one of the reasons that you cannot buy what you want is because you bought what you wanted. That's the way life works. You know, a dollar only spends one time. Well, many times the reason we are where we are is because we did what we did. It's because we chose what we chose. You know, you think what you think. You feel what you feel. You want what you want because you believe what you believe. Let me say that one more time. You think what you think, you feel what you feel, you want what you want because you believe what you believe. What if you're believing the wrong thing? If you're believing the wrong thing, then you're going to be thinking, feeling, and wanting the wrong thing. It's so important that we check our beliefs up against the master of the universe, up against the truth, of jesus christ up against the word of almighty god jesus firmly told us two thousand years ago that the whole word of god the law and the prophets could be fulfilled if he could just get us to do two things if he could get you to do two things we can fix this he said everything would be fulfilled it would all work if he could get us to do two simple things number one out of matthew 22 uh, I, i told you to go to matthew 20 and that's where we're going this is a prelude matthew 22 37 through 40 you can read it later jesus said if he could get us to love god with all of our heart if you will love god with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself we could fulfill this whole word of god and the will of god would be done in our lives and in the earth if God could just get his people you know in 2nd Chronicles seven fourteen, God said this if my people just his people if his people we are many if his people if my people would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He said, I would hear from heaven, I would forgive their sins, and I would heal their lands. God said he would heal our land if he could just get his people. You may remember a story, it's a Bible story, about a man named Abraham and his nephew Lot. Lot lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. God at one point decided that Sodom and Gomorrah was so evil that he was going to send angels there to destroy those cities. As the angels were on their way to Sodom and Gomorrah, they stopped by to see Abraham. And Abraham heard from them that they were going to destroy these cities. And Abraham went and prayed and cried out to God. He said, God, Lord, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Lord, that's not like you. Lord, would you forgive? Would you give a reprieve, Lord, if there were 50 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah? And God told him, yes, if I can find 50 righteous people there, I will Forgive their sin, and I will not destroy them. You know, God is still looking for righteous people today. And righteous people stand in the gap. People who are right with God, as Jesus declared, people who love God more than they love themselves and love their neighbors as much as they love themselves. That impresses God. Those people, Jesus said, are people that are living right with God. Abraham went on and said, Lord, what if there's five missing, Lord? What if there's ten missing? What if there's fifteen missing? He got all the way down looking for five. Five righteous people. If he could just find five righteous, he would not destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, you know what the end result was, most likely. The city was destroyed for the lack of five people who loved God more than they did themselves and loved others as much as they did themselves. Five people. We say later on, as Jonah was sent to Nineveh to preach to Nineveh, that great city, that God is going to judge you if you don't get right with Him. That city had a different testimony. They got right with God. They decided to lay down their sin, repent of their sin, and offer themselves to God. And in doing that, God forgave them and gave them reprieve. As I said, in light of these world events, we're going to look at the Word of God today. And in in Matthew chapter 20, And in Matthew chapter 20, we find that Jesus has just arrived at a city, at a town called Bethany. It's just about a mile and a half or two miles outside of the city of Jerusalem. It's located on the Mount of Olives. And as Jesus got there, just a few days before he's going to be crucified, uh, as he's walking into the city, he is approached by a woman and the woman was in his group it was the mother of James and John and their mother who you know came up to Jesus and said hey Jesus I got a question for you she asked him a question and her two boys were with her and because of the question that she asked and the other 10 disciples hearing it the 10 disciples became indignant with the question and the conversation and they got upset and they got angry with, the, with, with, with James and John and Jesus hearing that, that there was a division, hearing that there were problems even in his group of disciples, the Bible says in verse 25, Matthew 20 verse 25 but Jesus called them to himself and said, that's the beginning of verse 25 you know listen, when Jesus says hey come here, what a great day What a great day it is to hear Jesus say, come here. You know, he's calling them to himself, indicating he's calling them to his person. He's calling them, you know, uh, uh, to come to him, you know. He has something He wants to tell them, something He wants to teach them. He has something He wants to give them that will help them overcome the troubles that they are facing, the troubles they are causing themselves, and the troubles that other people have caused them. They have heard something that upset them. They've heard something that makes them angry. They have been hearing Jesus even say that He's about to go to the cross, and so they're anxious, and so they they don't know what's going on when they get to Jerusalem. They know that they're walking into some trouble, and, and yet here in their small group, they're even having trouble and they're having some disagreement and and jesus just stops and he says hey come here y'all come here Do you know he often does that jesus often says hey come to me in fact we know the scripture that says jesus said come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden heavy burdened and i will give you rest i'll give you peace you'll find rest for your souls if you'll just come here and sit down with me for just a minute and that's what he's wanting them to do He's not wanting them to argue, He's not wanting them to fuss, He's not wanting them to fight, He's not wanting them to be afraid, not wanting them to be anxious. All of the things which they were, all of the things which they were with reason, there was a reason why they were anxious. There was a reason why they were concerned. There was a reason why they were upset. But above the reasons, Jesus wanted them to come to Him This is one of the first things we must realize is that Jesus is calling people to him today. I believe in a day, you know, it seems like almost never before. In a day when people are are hurt when people are angry, when people are afraid, when people are anxious, when things are going on in the world, people are under trials and tribulations and troubles, and and we see a world that looks like it's gone crazy, and yet we hear a voice, and we see families, we see people, we see individuals, we see whole communities coming to Christ. As I said, today we will see approaching 73 people say yes to Jesus Christ for the very first time and in churches all across our nation and around the world today on Sunday the Lord's Day we will see people rededicating their lives to Christ church houses are filling up you know even more so than before COVID and and and, and uh, internet churches are springing up and, and and there's strength in the body of Christ Jesus said come here. This, this meeting, in fact, this morning is a, is a come to Jesus moment. It's a come to Jesus. Did, did you hear the testimonies? People coming to Jesus, realizing that, that, that they need to do better in their life, wanting to find a place, wanting to find a mark, wanting to find a day, wanting to find a time whenever they can say, I did this right now. And from now on, I'm going to be different. Wow. What a, what a great day. I remember when that happened to me. I remember whenever I said, okay, from now on, it's going to be different. You know, I I didn't know what it was going to be like, but I knew I didn't want any more of that. You know, I I know that I had made a, a, a mess of it, and I know that I was in a lot of trouble. But when I turned to Jesus, things changed. The Bible says that I didn't choose him, but the Bible says he chose me. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that mean, I thought I came to him, but what it was is I was responding to his call. To come to me. This morning he spoke to you. Come to me. This morning you're here because there was something in your life, you know, that even drew you here. Oh, you might you, you might have a lot of reasons why you changed. I did. You know, I had a marriage on the rocks, and I had you know, and I uh, you know, some of you know, I just wasn't that nice of a guy. But I had a come to Jesus moment but it was by his invitation just like this morning he called him to himself he called him to his person if you will he called them to his body he said come here and he's still calling people to his body the church the body of christ the bride of christ we are the body of christ he's still calling people today you may be hearing the call right now you you could be feeling something in your heart you might be watching today from uh, from home or from some office building or or or, or, you know driving listening wherever you are today you might be feeling the call of God on your life you might be hearing something on the inside of you say amen yes I need to come to Jesus I need a life change I need to change what I think and what I feel and what I want I need to check what I believe these are difficult times and believe me this world is not going to get any better but you You can get better in this world and you can help to rescue people from this world jesus is sending out a call today a renewed call to come to him just yield it was the best thing i ever did whenever i just said okay whenever i said all right here i am there is a place for you please don't deny that tug of god on your heart Again, verse 25. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Verse 26. Yet it shall not be so among you. You know, Jesus is forewarning here. He's forewarning his followers that they're going to see a division in the way groups of people act. And Jesus wants his followers to know that we are to think and feel and act differently than those around us we should be different we should be a light not darkness and there's a great difference between cursing the darkness and lighting a lamp there is a great difference between the good news and the bad news and we are those that are called to share the good news yes we know things are tough out here but we have a way through the toughness He wants us to know that we're different. He wants us to act like we're different. Jesus does not want us to live like the world. Yes, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And we don't need to circle in the world's toilet as though we are going down with them because we are not. And we have a chance to rescue people from this world. He does not want us either. As he, as he saw his disciples, they were troubled by him going to Jerusalem. They were troubled by the fact that he had told them that he was going to be uh, crucified. He, you know, they are troubled by the fact that he tells them he's going to leave them. They are troubled because they know that the, that the Pharisees and the leaders of the Jewish religious nation at that time wanted to kill him and were seeking a way to kill him. They were troubled, but also they had troubles among themselves they not only were troubled by the outside pressures but they had problems going on with you know problems with one another they were upset with 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 two of the disciples do you know that some people today are having trouble with the world and yet some people are having trouble in their own family some people are divided in their own family some people are divided in their own church divided in their own business divided in their own, uh, in, in their own workplace in their own classrooms. The world is giving us enough trouble without us allowing trouble to come between us in varying degrees and different measures in those that are close to us. And we have a chance to change that. Jesus is going to tell them something. He's going to give them some eternal advice. He does not want us to be at odds with one another. But rather, Jesus wants us to be a strength to one another. He wants us to be an encouragement, a support. He wants us to promote one another verse 26 he says that you know verse 25 this is the way those who don't know me act yet it shall not be so among you verse 26 but whoever desires to become great among you let him be your servant wow you know i've come to the place in life where i'd rather be great in the eyes of jesus than great in the eyes of the world i know that what we do at times and the things that we say and what we believe is not popular with the world I understand that, and I don't expect to be popular with the world. I don't expect for the world to understand why I do what I do, why I believe what I believe, why we, we, you know, trust the way we trust in God. But I'd rather be great in the eyes of Jesus. Here Jesus is saying that, that you, you should not be the most important person that you know. That's what he's saying. He's saying that, you know, I mean, do you want to be first in line in this world or first in line with him? First in line, first in this life? Let me ask you a question, if if you would like to get more personal and direct. Uh, Who is the first person that you think of whenever you get a raise, when you get a day off, when you get a bonus, when you get a chance to choose your seat first? Ooh, now I'm done gone to meddling, right? Who is the first person that you think about when you get a chance to choose your seat first? Or to choose to fill your plate first? Who's the first person you think about? You might say, oh preacher, those are small things. No, that's the, that was the argument Jesus was inter, you know, interfering in was an argument between the disciples over who gets to reserve the best seat. Who's going to get to sit in the best seat? That's what the question was about. The mom came to Jesus, brought her two boys, James and John, and she said, Jesus, you know, I would like for my two boys to sit in the best seats in heaven. Can, they get the, can I reserve the best seat for them? And they were going, yeah, yeah, we want the best seats. You know, you can read all the accounts. Yeah, Jesus, is it okay? Is it okay with you if we sit in the best seat? <sighs> Jesus is going, oh, my. Okay, I've, somewhere or another, these guys have missed it. They've been with me three and a half years, and they have missed. They haven't watched what I'm doing. They haven't caught on. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. And when the other ten disciples heard those two boys ask for the best seats, the other ten disciples, the Bible says, that, that, that they became indignant against them. I mean, such simple things as who's going to sit in the best seat? Who gets to sit in here? Who gets to do this? Who gets to do that? I mean, you know, who's the first person you think about whenever you go to lunch today and look around at the table to see the best seat? Which seat are you going to choose for yourself? Who's the first person you think about? The person that needs it the most? The person that deserves it? The person that, or me, 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 me. That's what Jesus, so Jesus here is kind of going, oh my, oh my. (laughs) Y'all are arguing over, I'm about to be crucified and y'all are arguing over who's going to sit where. I mean, the world is going to hell, and we are concerned about who is going to be first. So Jesus said, wait, 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 boys. Come here, come here. Now listen, you know <laughs> the Gentiles do stuff like this. Yet it, I don't want this to be like this among you, okay? Uh, verse 27, he says, you know, I mean, if you want to be great, you need to be the servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Whoever really wants to be first in the eyes of God needs to step back and realize that others are important. I'm not the most important person. If you believe you're the most important person in the crowd, then you may not be believing the right thing. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Jesus is basically saying, love others, you know, at least as much as you do yourself. In honor, prefer one another, the Apostle Paul will later, later say. Uh, and, and and, you know, what is it? Help me to understand something. What is it about loving God and loving others that is so hard? What is it about loving God more than you do yourself? and loving others as much as you do yourself, what is it about that that is so difficult? What, what is it that presents a challenge that we would love someone else as much as we do ourselves? Why does that rub us as humans, our human nature? Why does that rub us wrong? What is it in human nature that makes us want to be a little better, a little bigger, a little more important than other people? What is that? Well, it's the world. It's certainly not the Spirit of God. It's the world. And it happens to us even in times when we are with Jesus headed somewhere important with Him. It happened to His disciples. Uh, Jesus expects us to be different than the world some eternal advice verse 28 jesus said this just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many jesus gave his life as payment and this is all that he's asking here he's he's walking along with his 12 disciples on the last trip that they're going to take together and They've been with him three and a half years. And, and on top of the 12 disciples, there are others in the entourage. We know that James and John's mother was there. And we also know that there were many other people there. Mary Magdalene, a number of others came with him on that journey as he was going to Jerusalem. So here he has a, a, basically a larger group of people. And as he's walking along, having spent years with them, he sees that there is still some selfishness in them. And that there's still some some division among them. And Jesus just wants more for them than them just being like, just being safe, being with Jesus, being like the world. He said, This is the way the world is, guys. This is the way the world acts. You know, when the world slaps you, you slap them back. No. He said, You turn the other cheek if you're going to be like me. Ooh, Daryl, that's kind of hard, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder how much of the world is still in us. I wonder how much of the world is still, us, still in us. And Jesus here is talking with the closest people He has on the earth. The very best He has. And He's challenging them he's challenging them to be different than the world number one he invited them to come to him you know god's inviting you today to come to him jesus is inviting you come come to him he's inviting you to come to church to be a part of the body of christ come you will hear things He said, Come here, I want to tell you something. That's what he wants to do every Sunday. That's what he wants to do, you know, every time the church gets together. He wants to give you some eternal advice that will help you to be less like the world, help you to be less like you and more like him. And all he's asking you to do is just to love others as much as you do yourself. He gave his life a ransom. Let me ask it this way, you know. I'll say it this way. Jesus paid for me to be saved and set free. Okay? He didn't have to. But he demonstrated his love toward me and that he paid. And that's what he's asking them to do. He's saying, okay, you need to pay for somebody to be saved. You need to give up just a little bit in your life. You need to give up just a little bit of you. You need, to, you, you need to be a little different than the world, more than just wanting what I want and wanting what, you know. You need to make sure that you love others as much as you love yourself. And, and just like me, give your life as a ransom. Give some, do something. Where is it that you are paying? Where is it that you are paying for somebody else to be saved and set free? Where is it? Can you point your finger to it? He did. He pointed his finger to what he paid this is what i am doing so that others can be saved and set free what is it that you are doing where is it that you are giving your life for others you know for others to be saved and set free that's what he's asking where is it where are you putting others first we're living in a very prophetic time the end time prophecies of old are unfolding in real time right before our eyes and thank you oh that got it they are it, it's happening look around just like in the last days of jesus ministry on earth just before his crucifixion times are tough you know uh, but what is the eternal advice that jesus gave number one i believe that jesus is encouraging us today to be connected get connected connect and become a functioning part of the body of christ I believe that God wants you. I know it is the will of God for you to get connected and become a functioning part of the body of Christ. That is the will of God. Anything less would be more of the world. You need to be connected. You need to become a functioning part of the force that God is working with in the earth. A functioning part of of the body of christ of a church i'm talking about a local church family that you're a part of that you're reaching your world just like jesus called them to him number two i believe that it is the will of god that you discipline yourself to think feel and act like a born-again believer like jesus expected his disciples to think feel and act To cease thinking, feeling, acting like the world. The world is selfish. Jesus wants us to be a servant. Servants don't have the luxury of being selfish. This is the written will of God for every born-again believer. It is the best that God has to offer to you. We need to learn to live like disciplined followers. And number three, as I close, I believe it is the will of God for you to find a way to pay for someone else to get saved and set free. I believe it is the will of God for you to find a way to pay for someone else to be saved and set free. That you participate. That you not be a spectator, but a participator in what God is doing. And that's what he's asking of his disciples. He's asking them, come on, be a little more like me. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.